Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. For 25 years, Seth Lightman has seen it all. From the newest electric car revolution, solar power, bike lanes made in NYC. And now we are here. More electric cars, need for more renewables and eco-friendly products in our world. Well, now it's time for an all-out podcast for this time. You're listening to The Green Living Guy Show. He's funny, real, exactly on point, And some think his style is so raw, it's crazy. Let's do this, folks. It's time for The Green Living Guy Show with Seth Lightman. What's up, folks? Green Living Guy here. So glad for you to join us. We have a leader in the environmental movement. We're going to be talking about some really in-depth issues, but Manic is joining us on the podcast, and we're going to talk about his amazing company. So, Manic, thank you so much for joining us today. I can't even thank you enough for joining the Green Living Guy. I won't call it in an experience to mess with Joe Rogan, but this is going to be an experience. So, thank you for joining the Green Living Guy show. It's by Seth Lightman. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure, Seth. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Excited to chat about the environment, technology, life, whatever comes up. Amen. So tell me, let's start with your business. Let's get that right out the bat, right off the platter. Hot is heavy. So what? what <laughs> tell, me, tell us about your business and how you started it and all that kind of stuff. I want to get that in depth right off the bat. Sounds great. We'll get the hard stuff over with first. That's I want right. to go into the easy, easier, or more uh, maybe metaphysical. Who knows? <laughs> Absolutely. I've had a couple of cups of coffee, so I'm ready to go anywhere today. I run a startup. It's called Therma. We're based out of the Bay Area in San Francisco. We're building clean cooling technology. We're trying to reduce emissions and waste related to cooling, which is essentially refrigeration and air conditioning. These are big significant parts of the infrastructure that exists in the world. Ironically, cooling is responsible for nearly 10% of warming. Global warming is actually a massive and growing issue from the cooling standpoint, because as the planet gets hotter, we need more cooling. And cooling is causing temperatures to rise through product waste, refrigerant leakage, and pure energy consumption. Just those three alone, spoilage, Refrigerant leaks and energy consumed means that 9% of warming comes from the cooling sector. And here's the kicker. Cooling is growing rapidly because most of the world doesn't have a lot of it. So we think refrigeration and air conditioning have been around for a long time, and they have in certain parts of the world. But the vast majority of the planet, most humans don't have access to that much of either. And so the sector is growing at you know 15% year over year and already responsible for nearly 10% of warming. So that math doesn't really square over time. So what do you guys do with your company? How do you help that cooling energy use come down? Yeah, a couple of things. I mean, in simple terms, 
we help turn refrigeration and cooling assets on and off dynamically. We turn them on and off and up and down in ways that can take advantage of the fact that temperatures change throughout the year. Energy prices change throughout the year. Utilization changes throughout the year. You don't need to run these things at 100% all year long, which is how most people have run them for the last 100 years. We have schools across the US, over 500 schools using our technology. Well, schools are closed for several months of the year. 500 schools, whoa, 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 whoa. You have 500 schools already on deck using your product? We do. We are excited about the traction we've gotten. We've gotten, you know, we've got about 10,000 sensors in the world, so 10,000 pieces of equipment at this point. That's barely scratching the surface. There are 90 million. No, no, no. I understand that, but (laughs) startup to have 10K on deck, that's big, big, big numbers. It's great. Well, since we're two and a half years old, we're excited. Given that we started selling Therma in the middle of a pandemic, it's been exciting to see that despite sometimes 20 the, and 21. Yeah. Sometimes the best companies start in crises. So keep talking. This is amazing. Well, that is definitely the truth. I think the climate crisis is the other crisis we were kind of born into. The yeah. reality is you've got rising energy prices. You've got grid failures around the world. You know, Every week, a new country announces that they can't meet the demand for electricity with supply. Japan, Korea, Australia, the UK, parts of the US like Texas have been telling people to stop oh, using power because they can't meet. Brownouts here in New York. We're having rolling. For sure. It's like a three, it's like about a 30 second pop, but luckily I have power walls, but the majority of people around here, they go dark for 30 seconds and then the power goes back on. Yeah, that's the new normal. I live in California, in San Francisco, same, and I grew oh, up in NorCal. God. Same thing's happening out here for years. It's part of this broader you know, challenge where you've got a lot of stuff that's being electrified, but there's not enough capacity to meet all that electricity demand. What we're trying to do is using sensors, controls, and data science, we're basically turning dumb refrigeration and dumb cooling assets into intelligent assets. You can turn things on and off when energy prices go down, for example, or when energy is cleaner. You can lower utilization when there's nothing inside the box, you know, for several months of the year. So is like energy efficiency too? Isn't it kind of like a, uh, a, a technological approach to energy efficiency? Tell me if I'm wrong. Well, there's two things going on from a technology standpoint. There's what we call energy optimization, yeah. and then there's energy efficiency. Optimization is basically moving electrons around from expensive and dirty times to cheaper and cleaner times. We're not lowering the total power use, we're just moving it to times of the day and the week and the month when other people don't need it as much, which means it's better for the grid, it's better for society, you don't have as many brownouts, you don't have as many wildfires, prices don't go up as much. That's not actually lowering consumption, it's just being intelligent about the consumption. Energy efficiency is also something we're doing. What we're able to start doing now is reducing the total power that the piece of equipment uses. And there's two ways we can do that. One, we can literally turn it off for certain parts of the year when no one's using it. Historically, no one ever turned these things off. Historically, uh, they turn it off? Have you ever met a business that turns refrigeration off dynamically ever? No, no. Because these assets are not connected to the cloud, and because they're not automated, to turn them off historically, you'd have to literally send a guy to unplug it and then to remember to plug it back in. 
not many businesses do that regularly because it's hard to do and you don't want to spoil product. And so even though utilization varies, you know, you've got times in the day and times in the year when no one's using it, everyone leaves it on and mostly fully charged. It's a little bit like I was walking down the street in Manhattan recently. I looked around at night and I saw that there was all these buildings with the lights on, all these office buildings yeah. had the lights on, and it was empty. Yeah. Like no one's in there. All the time, all the time. They're just yep. running at 100%. Well, that's a 20th century way of doing it. That oh, makes sense when energy totally. is cheap, but so it doesn't make sense. Yeah. 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 So antiquated. Wow. Wow. You know, and I was just thinking too, I recently replaced my air conditioning in my house, and we went from a, just to give people context, which is what blows my mind is when we moved into the house, it was an older couple that had the house for many years. So they had a one and a half ton condenser, a two and a half ton air handler. And this was an old couple. And then you get us moving in with the two boys that are growing, playing their video games and all that kind of stuff. And we were basically dehumidifying the house 24-7 during the summer. So we went to a three ton and we're about 30% more efficient with it because when it gets cold enough, it just shuts off and then it restarts again when it gets, you know, but there are times where it just shuts off because it's more powerful and more doing what it needs to do to cool the house properly versus just dehumidifying the house. We're saving money on energy. Now, of course, I've also got my solar and power walls, so that helps too. But so to give you context and to try and give, you know, a little bit of an analogy here, during the summer last year, I'd be like, you know, maybe 33 to 34% off grid. And on average now, we're about 50 and sometimes 60% off grid, depending upon the temperature. So it really shows how what you're suggesting, optimization and energy efficiency can really make a difference on the cooling costs of a customer in particular. So hats off to you to pulling off a company that's doing the right thing for companies across the board and school districts. I mean, if anybody needs this more than anybody, it's school districts. Why? Because, well, where does that money come from? It comes from, you know, the taxpaying base. So if we can reduce the overall energy cost to that school district, they can apply that money and that energy savings into teachers, into school books, into not fighting during budget cycles and just doing what's got to be done to take care of schooling and education. So it really shows what cooling and optimization and energy efficiency of cooling can do for people. Tell me more about what some of the experiences that you've had with your customers. That's really what's interesting to me now. No, absolutely. I think that well, schools are some of my favorite customers, partly because I went to public school, you know, right through 12th grade. And, Damn you know, man. I kind of feel a certain sense of allegiance, I guess, if you will, but also empathy because schools are always struggling with budget and with lack of resourcing, no matter where you are in the country. And I think that if we can do something to help, you know, both save a little bit, on that extra spend and do it in a way that's sustainable, you're sending them a good message. You're sending a message that, hey, we're supporting education institutions financially, and we're trying to turn them into, you know, thinking about the future of the planet. We're trying to turn them into environmentally conscious organizations. So I love working with school districts and schools, and we've, we've been really fortunate 
in terms of the adoption. We've had a lot of interest this year. Probably our single largest sector we've been selling into is K through 12. We've also signed up universities. We've got you know Ooh. universities like NYU and Cornell using our technology. Whoa! And we hold the phone. He's going big. Yeah, since you said New York, since you said New York, I figured. And my wife's a New Yorker. She's from Long Island, so I felt like I had to throw in a little yeah, New, York New York plug. Boss, there. Yeah, you had to shake it up. Nice, nicely done. Wow, wow, Cornell. That's a big. But camp. the majority of our customers are actually restaurants. You know, you know, fifty percent of our customers are restaurant chains and food operators. The Cornells and the NYU's are great because they have this signaling power. You know, when a big university does something or when a famous institution does something, you always feel good. And we've got some great early adopters like that. But you know, the vast majority of our customers are restaurateurs. They're owner operators. They have you know five to 25 locations. So these are small businesses, you know, maybe even less than five. It's interesting. Tell me what you do. How do you install your gadget or your sensors or whatever is needed? I mean, what kind of cost is that? I guess what I'm saying is I think from what I'm hearing and based on my little bit of experience, it seems like this is a low cost tech to a high cost problem. Well, it is a low-cost tech. It doesn't mean it's easy to convince people to always adopt because I think there's a lot of behavior change. So we started, and Thermo's original product, which is what's been scaling over the last two years, is a monitoring solution that lets you essentially get real-time data out of your refrigeration. So we monitor temperature and humidity using a drop-in-place wireless sensor. This is about the size of half of a deck of cards. So it's a small little device. It works wirelessly with battery power. We ship these out via FedEx or UPS or USPS. We send you as many sensors as you have pieces of refrigeration that you want to monitor. So the installation is, there's no technician, there's no wiring. You drop the sensors into your refrigeration assets. You hold up our mobile app. You have to download our mobile app. You label the sensors. You set the controls in terms of what set points you want and what alerting you want, and you're done. It takes about 15 minutes to get started. That's our core product. It's a monitoring alerting product. Now on the back end, we have software on web and mobile that sees the data and starts sending you reports, starts sending you indications when refrigeration looks like it's going to go down. So one of our biggest value drivers is we can catch equipment failure before it happens by seeing patterns in the data and letting you know, hey, you're going to lose product. It's 4 p.m. on a Friday. This thing's probably going to go down in the next couple of days. If your store is closed on the weekend, you might come back on Monday morning to 20,000 of inventory loss. And so that ability to predict or catch equipment failure and prevent spoilage, or if the temperature rises and it's 2 a.m., we can let people know on a cascading alert system. That's one of the biggest reasons why companies have adopted the solution. And when I say companies, we've got small businesses that are getting margin improvement, and we've got larger brands. We've got operators of McDonald's, Pizza Hut, Domino's, Taco Bell, Starbucks, Burger King, White Castle, Marriott, Wyndham Hilton, all using the tech. So we've got over a thousand customers, some great logos. I'm most happy about our SMB customers. I feel most proud when an independent, you know, a two location or a food truck, because they really need solutions. Yeah. The second layer, Seth, is a controls layer. That's what we've started commercializing this year. That's essentially being able to turn things on and off using smart plugs and a smart thermostat. And that's what we started commercializing. That's kind of the optimization product where you can turn things off dynamically. So that's deployed with a couple of brands today, but it's early. And that's really what we're scaling this year and beyond. 
what kind of savings can a customer expect? Because I'm hearing these brands and the scalability of it and what you're doing now with the ability to even go smart with on and off. So what kind of savings can a customer expect from this technology? It's got to be a nice chunk for a little low cost. It sounds like. We think so. I mean, that's part of the reason I think we're seeing nice traction, you know, 3x year-over-year growth in despite the pandemic. I think we sell the product on a pure subscription model today. So you're not buying hardware. You're not paying for implementation or installation. It's just 10 bucks a month per sensor, which what? means it's, you know, it's like cheap insurance or cheap visibility. <laughs> so... Exactly. Exactly. You know, you're rubbing your face. And I think our CFO sometimes rubs her face and is like, why aren't we charging more for this? And the reality is there's just so much refrigeration and so many of these assets out there, almost none of them are monitored in real time today because this is kind of important. The tech didn't exist. When you had Wi-Fi and Bluetooth-based sensors, they couldn't push signal through the inside of a fridge or a freezer reliably. So there have been sensors for a while, but wireless monitoring has been hard to do with refrigeration because the side of the fridge or the freezer blocked signal. It blocked electromagnetic radiation from getting out. It acted like a Faraday cage. So historically, you couldn't rely on wireless sensors. We use a new type of connectivity. It's a long-range radio-based signal. That signal can push through dense insulation. So we're able to get a signal out of the inside of a fridge or a freezer 24-7 reliably and with very low battery consumption. Those two features, reliability and low battery consumption, means that we can put a drop-and-play sensor that can last for five years. That was the technical innovation that allowed us to start doing this. For the customer, from a value standpoint, you're paying 10 bucks a month per piece of equipment. That piece of equipment might have a couple of hundred or a couple of thousand dollars of inventory. Some of our larger customers have tens of thousands of inventory, distribution centers, warehouses. If you have a single loss event across your portfolio, meaning no matter how many locations you operate, one loss event in a year pays for Therma across all of your locations. And so we catch spoilage events every couple of weeks. I mean, it's kind of shocking how many outliers we catch. And that's because of equipment failure, grid failures, and human errors. There's just a bunch of things that happen. You know, equipment goes down because of wiring, compressors, coolant leaks. Grids go down because, you know, the local utility runs a brownout, forgets to tell you, and it's on a weekend. Or, you know, there's a grid failure because you live in a part of the world or part of the country where there isn't reliable electricity. That happens too. And third, and the most common is, human errors. People open stuff up, forget to close it. The door jam is loose. They unplug something to clean it, forget to plug it back in. We catch so many of these events. So again, it's cheap insurance. It's a low cost alarm, but typically the value of the customer is I'm putting the sensor in 10 bucks a month per piece of equipment. If I catch one spoilage event across my portfolio, I'm in the money. And that's one of the reasons why it's you know taken off so well. With energy, we're driving 10% plus savings a month on the energy bill right now. That's what we're doing with our early customers. And this is, Whoa. again, it's a new product, Whoa. but that's the zip code we're in, 10% of energy bill reduction every month. Just by putting in a sensor. It's the sensor plus the controls. Right. So we've got a smart plug. Yeah. Now you're not paying for the smart plug. We're not charging for the hardware on the controls there. We're expanding the subscription fee. So you're still paying a subscription. Yeah. The subscription fee goes up from 10 bucks a month per sensor to a percentage of your energy bill. But it's still two to three X ROI every month. So you're seeing very nice in the money returns. The reason we can afford to do that is because energy bills are highly predictable. Unlike food spoilage, which you don't know when you're going to have a spoilage event, 
with energy bills, you do know that you're going to get a bill every month in the mail. Yes. And so cutting your bill 10% every month makes it easy to convince a customer, hey, we're going to save you, call it, you know, 300 to 400 bucks every month. I'm just using an average for a small box restaurant. We're going to charge you, you know, 250 bucks to do that. But this is important also, Seth. We're able to get the customer a partial credit on that fee. So they're actually not paying that full amount. Because the utilities have demand response programs, utilities will actually pay for that capacity by enrolling their refrigeration assets into the demand response programs. We're passing that utility revenue, that utility payment back to the customer as a credit. And that can be as much as a hundred bucks a month. So it can cut that subscription fee in half. So it's really juicing the return for the customer. Okay. So that's another value added is you're working with the utility to coordinate the demand response for those hard costs for businesses. So we are, and then you're engaging the utility to help give that money back to the customer. Okay. Okay. So that really does is really a value added for nothing really a month. I mean, when you think about it, it's designed to be a low friction model. We don't want this to cause brain damage or be super hard for people to get their heads around. We want it to be as simple as we're going to give you sensors. With our sensors, you've got peace of mind. On top of that, we're going to turn your refrigeration into an intelligent asset. We call it a battery. We're turning your fridge or freezer into a battery. For 100 years, no one's tapped this battery. Everyone runs refrigeration fully charged. We run it at 100% all year, no matter what's going on with energy price. We're trying to tap that battery, and we're doing it in a way that's fairly seamless. You don't have to worry. You've got sensors, so you know what the temp is at all times. And we're going to give you a savings on top of that. So that's the, you know, if I were in sales mode, that would be the pitch. That's the pit. That's the elevator. And also, if you have a chain of stores, too, that must be really helpful. Even if you're saving a couple hundred bucks or 300 bucks or 400 bucks a month, and you've got 50 stores or something like that, it adds up over a year dramatically. It does. And I think that's why, you know, we've seen adoption from both SMB kind of small businesses that have 10 locations or less. Yeah, probably half our customers represent small businesses. The other half have 20 to 200 locations. They're, you know, regional or small. Whoa, whoa. You know, those folks are a little more corporate in their mindset. You know, if you've got 80 locations of a Burger King or 100 McDonald's in your portfolio, you're thinking about how do I ensure everything's consistent? I can't drive around and see all my locations. I want to make sure we're not losing inventory across this region. I want to make sure energy is being optimized in this part of the country. So we're able to sell the solution. We call it clean cooling. We're going to make cooling cleaner and more efficient from an ROI standpoint. That's something that appeals, we're finding, to both an independent, you know, your mom and pops, and to big corporates because, hey, everyone wants to save money. And Seth, I think this is important. We're starting to put climate messaging around this. So we're working on a carbon calculator. This is going to be in the product by the end of the year. We're starting to say... Yeah, that helps on the altruistic side for everybody and businesses. Yeah, that's going to be... We find a lot of businesses want to do the right thing, and it's easier to do when it also saves you money. And so that's we want to give them the opportunity to get that win and celebrate it. First, and the environment will benefit as a benefactor regardless. With your technology, the environment is benefiting. And not just like on the power cost side, but also on the Freon side too because that's its own form of uh, greenhouse gas or 
helping destroy the ozone in some respect. So that has to literally be causing customers to be very interested in your product. Now, I'm just thinking outside the box, too. So that business that's big, that it's got like 80 stores, they can then look on the cloud, I would assume, and to see how all of them are operating. That's exactly. So they're looking at reporting across you know, dozens of locations. You can slice and dice that by region. If the health inspector or the auditors come out and you want to see and show, hey, everything's being done according to food safety and quality standards. Here's our temp logs. Here's our inventory. So you can see and share that data right from the cloud. And that's typically how bigger companies will review the data. It's also available on a mobile app. So if you're an operator or someone who's kind of driving, doing a lot of windshield time, most of our mid-level managers and users are accessing the data on a mobile app. But if you're really serious about looking at data across all of your locations, then we would typically put you on the website. And you know, we have a web application that the larger customers use a lot of. So, you know, again, depends on the sophistication of your operation. One of our customers is a public company, UNFI. UNFI is the third largest food naturals yep. distributor in the world. Yep. They're in 55 of their warehouses. Now, their oh. reporting is a little more complex because each warehouse could be 100,000 square feet. It's a massive facility. So yeah. very different than a food truck or a small restaurant. But the idea is the same. You've got cooling going on. You've got inventory to protect. You want to make sure stuff's done efficiently. We're giving you peace of mind and we're visualizing or representing that data for you. So that's kind of the idea. Just out of curiosity, so then like even like big box stores like Costco or BJ's, they should be wanting to grab onto something like this too. Hint, if you're listening, BJ's and Costco, we just dropped a gem on you big time. I mean, they've got a right in the center there, that massive refrigeration system going on. Absolutely. And without naming names, as someone who grew up, uh, Friday evening was a Costco run for our family my entire childhood. I grew up in Central California. My dad is a big Costco advocate. And, you know, I've been out to Issaquah a couple of times to meet with folks at corporate up in, you know, Northern Washington. I think it's a very sophisticated company, very thoughtful about their operations. The kinds of things that they do at scale are incredible. And, and Costco is an extremely well-oiled machine. But they are technology adopter and they are looking at solutions to kind of increase efficiency. Although they're already super efficient, you don't do a hundred billion plus in top line and make money easily. Not many companies can do that. No. But yeah, those are the kinds of businesses we would love to work with and partner with at the next stage of our journey. Yeah. So, you know, that that's the next set of questioning. Where do you see this going? More importantly, where do you see this growing? Because I would assume that over time, the demand for technologies to help aid cooling costs is got to be growing over time, as you started off your conversation saying, I mean, it, it's got, where do you see your company going at this rate? I mean, it's super early, so it's always hard to know how these things are going to you know, play out. We're two and a half years into the journey. I never imagined I would run a a refrigeration optimization company or a clean cooling company. That wasn't, you know, kind of what I wrote in my 12th grade application for college. But I did have a passion around building and scaling pro-social solutions. I was always interested in doing something that had a, a positive impact on society. I think that's partly because I was fortunate to come from a family that had a strong service culture. My parents are both doctors. Three of my grandparents are doctors. My wife and my brother are both doctors. So I come from a family of physicians. 
a lot of physicians around me, my, most of my aunts and uncles as well, probably 15 in the immediate family. So coming from a service and kind of healthcare background, the family was always you know, focused around, hey, do stuff that's good for your community, do stuff that's also allowing you to give back, not just make money or get notoriety. I went to Harvard for college and law school, worked in the White House briefly as a junior guy, started my career as an investor. I came into climate and sustainability you know, somewhat by accident. I was working in government as an intern and then a fellow, and I met the deputy CTO in the Obama administration. She had gone to Harvard 10 years before me. She was a recovering lawyer as well, and she was working on building tech for good, Beth Novick. And she was doing a talk on a book she'd written called WikiGov. And the idea was that tech was transforming social and commercial life, but law and government and regulation and compliance were still run like it's 1950. And we could change that. So I left. Yeah. I joined her. We started a center at NYU together called the Gov Lab. That's how I got into tech. And since then, the last 10 years have been about trying to create pro-social tech, tech for good. Therma, I think, has an opportunity to scale because the crisis that we're living through is not getting better. According to the UN and according to the latest reports, the climate problem is only getting worse. And on top of that, we've got a huge economic crisis. You know, we've got increasing prices on food, on labor, on energy. We're living through a massive inflation in a way that we haven't, in my generation at least. And so I yep. think that trying to save businesses money on labor, product, and energy is getting people's attention because you know we live in a capitalistic economy and people want to make sure their businesses can stay solvent and do well. It's been really hard for the last two years. And yep. people are yep. starting to recognize this climate crisis ain't going away. So I think we have an opportunity to keep scaling and become a meaningful player, just one if many needed in the kind of climate technology space. But I see it as a long-term journey right now and we're early. Right. You are early, but you've got 10,000 customers already on that. So I would assume you're looking at growth in a pragmatic way. I would assume that as the economy is softening now in some ways too, that people are wanting to save on their costs because those, as you said before, are a constant. They're like a K, like a Kelvin. They're always going to be there. So anything to reduce operating costs are going to only aid and abet in your growth in a good way, in a positive way. (laughs) No, I think that's right. So just to be precise, we've got a 10,000 sensor footprint across over 1,000 customers, but still, Thousand is better than the five we had in in the beginning of 20. And yeah, I think many people point recently to me that this kind of solution is counter-cyclical. In a downturn, when people are more cost-conscious and all these inputs are rising, you should see adoption of solutions like this. And I I think we will. You know, I think that businesses and organizations, including schools and universities, are looking at ways to do more with less. And frankly, we all need to do more with less when it comes to energy and and resource use because we've been getting away with being super wasteful all through the 20th century and the planet has been subsidizing that. So that's not going to last. Yeah. So yeah. One thing I've also noticed too, and I just wanted to throw this out there is it thought that whenever I've looked at maybe, and I keep forgetting which one of it is, it's either GNP or GDP. Whenever they announce it, they always announce it excluding energy costs. And by doing that, is a very 19th century way of doing business because back then the cost of energy was nothing. But as costs of energy has gone up, it is more reflective of life 
on the cost of doing business or the cost of even in third world countries staying alive in some cases, especially in places like India or something like that. So I can only imagine. I mean, I know it seems so, you know, just like throwing sensors in a building and thinking that that was going to not be the way to change the world. But really, it's that one small step for customers to say, wow, if I can save this on cooling, what can I save on then other things energy related in my way I'm doing business? It's got to be something that's affecting mindset. So I guess the next question is really, and I'm really trying to go in depth here, is like when you start this process with these customers and they see the savings, do they say to you sometimes, what else do you think I can do to help me save energy? Is it like they're, uh, as Ed Begley Jr. used to say to me, like when he did insulation in his house and he would see the savings on his bill, it was his gateway to doing more other energy efficiency or other energy saving things in his home. So I would assume for a business like being their home, it's the same kind of paradigm where people are like, whoa, if I could do this just with some sensors and some smart plugs, imagine what I can do on other things for my business. So tell me about that. I think that's exactly right in terms of the way people start thinking about their operations. They see opportunities in one area and it gets them thinking, well, what else am I not thinking about? Where else are there you know, low-hanging fruits and where could I make a change? So we are seeing questions come up now from customers asking, well, sometimes they just ask, well, what else can Thurman do? That's cool. Yeah, what else can you do for us? And we're small, you know, we're like 60 people on our team. So there's only so many things we can build, but we are trying to, you know, be part of an ecosystem. So I say that because there's lots yeah. of great technology around us. And so we do recommend, and we're trying to partner with folks that have energy management, uh, for example, on assets like lighting or HVAC, you know, heating, yeah. ventilation, air conditioning, or cooking equipment. Like there's plenty of innovation going on around how to do more with less on things outside of refrigeration, which we're not touching today. And so, yeah, uh, customers are often, especially the kind of customer that's adopting solutions like this, they tend to be a little bit more early adopter, a little bit more tech forward, a little bit more focused on the bottom line. And so you get a kind of in that group, in that community of early adopters, people are much more open to trying new things. And so it's a great group to work with. It's one of my favorite things is to see how tech adoption kind of transforms the world and what the mindset is to kind of do that because you're kind of betting on the future as a customer, and we're trying to build the future. Not to go too far into this, but then like, I'm just thinking outside the box here, like if you're doing cooling, you know, at least on the East Coast or the Northern parts of the country, um, you have heating costs too, that can be possibly managed as well. Or like you said, lighting could be managed as well. There's so many different types of energy tech that we use on a consistent basis that we could vary in how we're using it in, into the controls that you're providing through your sensors and through your smart plugs. There's got to be other applications that can help your business grow. Or I would assume that your team is saying, yo, we could try this and you know, add this to the portfolio of things that we're doing. We definitely, there's a kind of solutions approach to this space, which is, you know, people want to adopt a number of things, not just one product. And part of what we're figuring out, Seth, is how do we 
both celebrate what we do uniquely, which we're really focused on refrigeration and we're really good at getting better at optimizing that asset, but also make sure that we're able to be part of this broader set of solutions that are touching other parts of the operation. And so, yeah, that's something we're actively working on. We're building out a small partnerships team this fall, and we're trying to start working with some bigger players that have been around for decades where we can be a part of their ecosystem, part of their solution set. That's great. You know, and I'm just thinking outside the box, thinking like this has got to be something he's doing to help grow his company because if you're doing it so in a rich way for a thousand customers already, what can you then offer in other services? Same tech, different technology, but you know, relatively just fine-tune it a little bit and or partnering out so that you can scale and license expert tech or do other types of things to help your company grow. I think that what you're doing is amazing. And I, you know, I just want to support you and say, what are the things that you could do to help your company grow? And I think besides the cooling side, but a thousand is literally the tip of the iceberg. No pun intended on this thing. I mean, a thousand is great, but uh, imagine once you hit 10,000, not just 10,000 sensors, but 10,000 customers or 100,000 customers or a million. That's really where you, of course, only want to engage the world to listening to what you're doing and sign up for what you're doing. So I guess the next step is asking you the simple question here of how can people learn about you and how can they sign up? Always excited to chat. I find it's my favorite part of the job is kind of, you know, telling the story, finding ways to think about problems in a new way, building the team, building the partner base. So if you're interested in what we're doing or want to check out you know, what we're trying to do and our vision, hellotherma.com, hellotherma, T-H-E-R-M-A.com. My email is monik, M-A-N-I-K, at hellotherma.com. And monik gonna, at hellotherma. On the Green Living Guy website, we have a page that we have just for green businesses. So we're going to add you there. We're going to you know, do a little description of what your company is, and we're going to put you on there, and that, that'll be there forever so that people can get to you as easily as possible. And don't forget, everybody, it's Monik, M-A-N-I-K, Monik, at hellotherma.com. And we're hiring. We're about to announce a new fundraise, and we're definitely in growth mode. So please check us out. Um, really a pleasure to have this chat. Yeah. and so. When you have your greenhouse gas emissions component added to your platform, I want to get that announced to people because I know that when people buy this stuff, they want to then market, how are they saving the environment kind of thing. So this is the easy layup to help people just save the environment by putting in these sensors and reducing their operating costs in a very simple way. And that greenhouse gas emissions is going to be reducer or analyzer is going to be really helpful to your business, I would assume. I think so. I think that it's one of those opportunities to both do good and do well, to take an obvious business financial ROI and celebrate that it's good for the planet, good for the community. So if you can do things that save your business money and help improve profitability and advance the movement around sustainability, why not celebrate them? That's good for, you see so many companies today that are announcing changes in their menu items to enable more alternative proteins, announcing changes in their supply chain, 
to reduce reliance on crappy and dirty stuff. And I think those are all moves in the right direction. We want to, you know, consumers, people actually spend the money. They want to see the brands and the products they support doing the right thing for the planet and for the community more and more. And so I think that pressure is there for business owners and executives. And, you know, we want to help them celebrate the win. Yep. I always try and wrap or try and make an analogy for people on certain stories I've had over my So one of them I'm going to do for everybody is lighting. Now, mind you, he's Manic is dealing with air conditioning, cooling systems and stuff like that. But look at what it's saving his customers over time. And if you start to multiply that out, especially over bigger customers, it gets big. So one story I love telling people is back during when you were interning and fellowing for the Obama administration and the downturn occurred, a company I was working with, which was got bought up by 3M called MSI. They started off getting all of the incentives, all the things, changed up all the lighting, AC's Herald Square. Hmm. Just by doing that, the first month calls up the um, the president of the lighting apologize for going around everything. What happened? They older me and you know what it did remember during back when you were working for Obama okay, uh, what happened expanded during a down by doing energy thing so imagine this technology saves energy. Thank you I want to show people that these types of technologies are really thing. So thank you. God bless you for doing building it. Uh, green one small step at a time. Check out this podcast. <laughs> Such a pleasure. Thanks, Seth. Really enjoyed this. Thanks, everyone. And you know, once you have again, seriously, once you have that that green gas analyzed in your platform, we want to get that out to people. So I'm definitely going to want to do a blog post about that. Because I want people to realize you're bringing free the environment, the economic development. Rock on, and uh, we keep going. Thanks, Seth. Keep you posted. Appreciate it. See you. I'll look out for the episode. Have a good weekend. You've been listening to the Green Living Guy Show with your host Seth Lightman. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort. Until next time. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.